0: Death construction in the fields of bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind, poisoning. This program is pre-recorded, so there's not going to be any scintillating analysis about Abbott's demise because the Liberal Party lost the Kenning by election. Well, where I am, I won't know what's happening. I may come back to this country next week, and I will be doing the program next week, and guess what? Mr Abbott's no longer Prime Minister. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, well, you'll know before I know. I'll just come back and I'll ask the bloke at the border and I'll say... One am I allowed back in and two is Abbott still Prime Minister? If they say he's still Prime Minister, maybe I'll just go back overseas. But as I said before, this program is pre-recorded. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network. My name's Josh Toscano and am hosting today's program. As it's pre-recorded, uh, we will uh, concentrate on uh, issues that are maybe activist orientated. Now, as I keep saying, there are Two tribes in Australia, a gunner tribe, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and the somebody should do something about that tribe. And they're huge tribes. And uh, we find ourselves in an increasingly difficult situation to a large degree of our own making because we've left it to the experts to rule us. We've left it to the government of the day, the state, the bureaucracy, the courts, the corporate sector and we've been kind of seduced by the little coloured balls, little baubles, little consumer items. So as the rest of the world moves from an economy based on the concept of ever expanding growth, we seem to be on that same roller coaster. We need to grow, we need to expand, we need to make ever-increasing profits in order for things to keep going. But unfortunately, the four horsemen well, of the apocalypse, the 21st century apocalypse, say, a, hey, hold on. We've got ever-increasing population growth, 7 billion people today, 9 billion in about 35 years' time. And we've got finite resources. It doesn't matter how smart our scientists are and whether we make, uh, you know, water out of air. And the reality is that there is a limit to what science can do to uh, support 9 billion people. Then we've got ever-increasing greenhouse emissions as a result of us soiling our own nest. And last but not least, we have the world is dominated by an economic system which is based on the creation of ever-increasing profits irrespective of the social, human, environmental and national cost to the community. So we find ourselves in this situation. Now look, I speak about this constantly. I've been uh, broadcasting now for 38, 39 years and it's a constant theme. And What's actually happening today is that some people, not everyone, some people are beginning to realise that something is not quite right, that they've been sold a little sick puppy called corporate capitalism. CC, you know, CC, corporate capitalism, is a little sick puppy. But they complain, but really don't know where to go, don't know what to do don't know how to tackle the issues, don't feel it's appropriate that they organise and they're waiting for somebody else to do something. Yeah, it's just not acceptable. Somebody should do something about that. Never even thinking or the thought crossing their mind that they are the ones who should be doing something about that because we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. For far too long we've been waiting for somebody else to resolve the issues, not understanding that we find ourselves in a situation where those who control wealth and exercise power have refashioned the universe, planet Earth, human behavior to suit them and them and their supporters only not to suit the community as a whole. As I said before, that's why public interest before corporate interest was established. It is a significant, significant political, social, cultural organisation, an umbrella group, whose major aim is to put public interest before corporate interest. And there is nobody else in the community who are consistently pushing those ideas. The public intellectual is as dead as a Tasmanian tiger doesn't exist all we've got is corporate apologists so once again on this pre-recorded program I'm appealing you to look at the Facebook page public interest before corporate interest look at our webpage page net. look at the YouTube site tweet get involved in the Twitter stream get involved in the Facebook page and if you not interested in technology fine we leave nobody behind Unlike other organisations who kind of, you know, rely on the internet, we leave nobody behind. You can ring us on 0439 395 489, leave a message. I'll answer you next week when I'm back. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. By the time I get the letter, you know I'll be back. But this is not a centralised organisation. The local groups have a total autonomy in terms of the constitutional framework, in terms of the strategies they pursue, in terms of how they organise, in terms of how they structure their organisation, in terms of what they consider to be issues for them. That's what's happening. That's public interest before corporate interest. So I'm imploring you to have a look at it. Now, as you get older, and I'm uh, nearing 64, Remember that old Beatles song? You know, as you get older, you want to do things. You want to do more things. You want to break out of the constraints that you find themselves in. And uh, about two years ago, I wrote a play. Yes, everybody writes a play. Q7461. And over the last, you know, year or two, I've been, you know, having just, you know, off-the-cuff discussions with people about making this play a reality. Because Q7461 looks at the concept of how yesterday's Antichrist becomes today's hero. How the person who's ostracized for their ideas and the actions they take 30, 40, 50, 60 years later becomes the saviour. So yesterday's Antichrist is today's saviour. And that's what this play is based on, that concept. It's loosely based on things that have happened in this country but the values which he espouses are universal and obviously it's a difficult thing to turn words into theatre and we're going to do it this time the theatre's booked the old council chambers in melbourne trades hall 54 victoria parade the theatre's booked the uh cast has been uh, chosen, the director is in place, special effects people, yes, there are special effects are also involved. There'll be 11 performances in total. A preview on the 11th of November at 7.30pm, which is, uh, I think it's Wednesday the 11th of November at 7.30pm. Opening night, Thursday the 12th of November at 7.30pm. Friday the 13th of November, 7.30pm. Saturday the 14th of November, a 3pm matinee and a 7.30 performance and a 5.30 performance matinee evening performance on the Sunday the 15th. Performances on the 17th of November at 7.30, 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st at 7.30. But it's not just a play. Where you go in, you consume, you leave. At the end of the play... At the end of the ideas that have been incorporated, as I said, it's about the concept of yesterday's Antichrist becoming today's saviour. It's about ideas which are out in the cold, activities which are beyond the pale, holding the key to human survival. It's a play based on universal values. It puts a mirror to our faces. It teaches each and every one of us something about ourselves. It's based on real live events from the past, melded with the present, and gives a pointer to the future. So there's a lot of, it's not just a story, there's a lot of effort and energy, but at the end of the play, there's a small break, and then myself, the writer-producer, the director, the lead actor, and the people who are involved in the special effects, will be part of a Q&A, question and answer panel, where the audience who decide to stay after the end of the play can ask questions, interact, get a greater understanding of what it's all about. Now, these things cost money. The Owl Council Chamber seats 100, 120 people. And we're hoping to have at least a thousand people go through the theatre during these, uh, 11 da- these 10 days, during these 11 performances, at least a thousand people. And obviously there'll be a, there's a cost structure and uh, the, the cost will be $25 wage earners, $15 non-wage earners and a $50 solidarity ticket. And obviously there'll be other bits and pieces because in order for this type of play to continue, It needs to break even. So we do need people to come along. Not only come along, but let their friends know. Now, obviously, in the next week or so, we'll be setting up a mechanism via which you can actually pre-book tickets, buy tickets, pay for tickets, work out seating arrangements, get people in. And to those of you who are on our websites, whether it's the Anarchist Media Institute uh, email list or Other email lists, we've got like a Pipsy email list that we have. You'll be receiving uh, material regularly right up to the 11th of November. But as I said, this is not a play about navel-gazing, about removing lint from your belly button. This is a play about the concept of the Antichrist Antichrist becoming the Saviour. However, over decades people's ideas change, how social circumstances change, how interactions between people change and what seems unimaginable beyond the pale becomes a reality. And it's, in, it's intertwined in a real story that occurred in this country, not based on nationalist or parochial values, but based on universal values. It's a 21st century parable Embedded in the 20th century, based on universal values. So next week when I'm back, and the program's not pre-recorded, we'll talk about it some more. Hopefully by then we'll have uh, everything up in place for you to start pre-booking tickets, paying tickets, because hopefully we uh, obviously won't be making a profit. But we're hoping not to lose too much money, because it does take a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of money to get something like this off the ground. It's one thing to say I'm going to do it, or somebody should do something about that. It's another thing actually doing it. So keep it in mind. I don't believe it's self-indulgent. You may think it's self-indulgent. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens over the next few months. And uh, obviously, start saving your pennies. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is pre-recorded. That's why there's no scintillating commentary about what's happening in the world today. So you may decide to turn over. You may decide to continue listening. But what I'd like to do is highlight, talk about things that the Annex Institute has organised, like Q7461, like Reclaim... The Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which will be held in Ballarat on Thursday, the 3rd of December. These are things that we're intimately involved with, and and, and the story is very simple. Those of you who listen to the program know the story. I remember Ellen and I went up to Ballarat, I think in the 1990s, once or twice, on the 3rd of December, looking for something to do, and guess what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens on the anniversary of what arguably is one of the most important, pivotal moments of post-colonial Australian history. Nothing. So we thought, well, it's time. It's time we reclaimed the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion. It's time that we celebrate that day on the day it happened that event on the day it happened because we need to understand the past we need to reclaim the past to understand the present and change the future and the Eureka Oath in my opinion is one of the most extraordinary oaths of allegiance that I've ever heard. Anywhere through history. And this was something that ordinary people came across. This is they created the Eureka Rebellion. We swear by the Southern Cross. To stand truly by each other. And fight to defend our rights and liberties. We swear by the Southern Cross and the Southern Cross isn't some religious thing. When these diggers and their families were camped on the gold fields across Victoria all these people that are swarmed here from the Northern Hemisphere to find, make their fortunes. When they bedded down every night and looked at the stars in a period where there are no television, no radios, no internet, where people were he- weren't hemmed in, in a building, they looked up into the stars, they saw the Southern Cross. And nowhere in the Northern Hemisphere can you see the Southern Cross. As our friends in the West Papua Independence Movement use the Morning Star as their symbol of freedom and rebellion and liberty, in the sky at the same time the Morning Star arises, there is the Southern Cross together. So we swear by the Southern Cross highlights their geographical reality. They were in a new continent in a new part of the world, trying to create a new society which didn't reflect the class divisions of the societies they'd run away from and stand truly by each other. Stand truly by each other. That's all we've got. You can't rely on the government of the day. You can't rely on Her Majesty's loyal opposition. You can't rely on the bureaucracy. You can't rely on the corporate sector. You can't rely on the courts. All you can do is rely on the people around you to stand truly by each other. None of this backbiting, backstabbing, fighting. Stand truly by each other. And fight. I mean, these people understood that in order to defend your rights and liberties, you need to fight it. No rights and liberties have ever been given to anybody without a struggle. The history of the human race is littered with examples of struggles where people who didn't exercise power and had access to wealth paid for their rights and liberties through the blood, sweat and tears of themselves their children and their grandchildren. And it's important that we reclaim our history and use that history to change the future. Because those of you who listen to the comments about the Eureka Rebellion 161 years later will understand that this is still contested history. There are people in this country who would want us to think that the Eureka Rebellion was nothing more than a little bit of a civic commotion, a little riot, a blip in the human landscape. So we are here to highlight the radical nature of the Eureka Rebellion. Eureka was based on four foundations, four foundation stones, Direct democracy. It was the mass meeting which decided the direction the movement took when the Ballarat Reform League was formed on the 11th of November 1854. Yes, that famous day again. 11th of November 1854, the formation of the Ballarat Reform League, the organisation behind the Eureka Rebellion. 11th of November 1980, the execution of Ned Kelly. The 11th of November 1918, Armistice Day, the end of the war where worker was pitted against worker, in a war fought by workers at either end of a bayonet for the glory of God, king and country. Not for freedom, not for democracy, not for equality, but God, king and country. And the 11th of November 1975, when one of the most reformist governments, if not the most reformist government, the Whitman-led Labor government, was dismissed from office by a CIA-engineered coup. Direct democracy. That's what it was about. Mass meetings were called, decisions were made, recallable delegates were elected who kind of took their concerns to the government of the day, came back, reported back to the mass meeting. So direct democracy... Was an essential element of the Eureka rebellion. Direct action. Another foundation stone. What could be more important than people like taking up arms, putting their lives at risk to defend their rights and liberties? So these were people who had enough, who took up arms and were willing to use those arms To defend their rights and liberties. Solidarity. People working together. To achieve the aims they wanted. For a freer society. A more egalitarian community. Internationalism. Nobody asked you the colour of your skin. Your religious affiliation. If you were a member of the Eureka Rebellion people stood side by side because of their common humanity of the 13 men who were tried for high treason who faced execution by drawing and quartering though are found guilty of high treason two were black men one was a black man from New York another one a black man from Kingston one was a Jew the people from every corner of the earth had flocked to this country had come together to escape the inequalities the hierarchy the oligarchies the monarchies of the northern hemisphere who saw the same inequalities the same institutions being recreated in this society which allowed power and wealth to be exercised by a handful of people. So we reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion. We don't dismiss it as a riot. We don't dismiss it as a fight by self-employed miners to improve their personal condition. This was a revolution that although it failed initially, it succeeded in the long run. As that spirit pervaded the Australian psyche. As that spirit became part of that struggle to decentralise power and redistribute wealth. So every year we go. We come. We go to Ballarat. We go on the 3rd of December. And from 10am to, from 4am to 10pm, we are involved in actions to highlight the radical nature of that rebellion. And we encourage you to join us. You don't have to phone anybody. You don't have to ask permission. There's no cost involved. You just need to be there. You need to get there. So once you start at 4am, join us at Eureka Park at the corner of Stahl and Eureka Street in Ballarat why don't you join us there at 4am for the dawn ceremony at the old Eureka Memorial at the corner of Eureka and Stall Street. The, the uh, ceremony is broadcast live on 3CR. Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial, streaming live on 3cr.org.au from 4am to 6am. Then we have a communal breakfast. Some people have a communal breakfast, others... Try to get a nap in their cars, in hotel rooms, on the grass. But there is breakfast in Eureka Hall, just next to the site of the dawn ceremony. Bring your own food and drinks. At 9am we march from Eureka Park to Bakery Hill to reaffirm the Eureka Oath, where we present six Eureka Australia Day medals at Bakery Hill. At the very spot at the very spot where the Eureka Oath was first heard and affirmed. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. We then walk to the Ballarat Town Hall. And do you know that in a city which is consistently exploited the Eureka legend for its own financial benefits and the financial benefits of its citizens, that these people pay no respect to the Eureka Rebellion. Not once in the history of Ballarat, in the history of Ballarat Town Hall, not once, not even during the 150th anniversary celebrations in 2004, has the Eureka flag been flown from the main flagpole. Of the Ballarat City Hall. Extraordinary isn't it? And there. We will have the Bill Della Stump. Eureka Stump Orations. Now Bill Della. Joined us. For the last few Eureka celebrations. He was. An Eureka Australia Day Medal recipient. He spoke. Outside the Ballarat Town Hall. And Bill died suddenly last year. But we remember him. In the Bill della Eureka Stump orations, and it's about reclaiming that radical spirit that's been hidden away, hidden away, intellectually dismissed, not spoken about. We're told it's all about parliamentary democracy, and we've seen the creation of the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka. Extraordinary situation. Extraordinary situation. And then we will walk to the old Ballarat cemetery and please bring flowers. Please bring flowers, which we can place on the mass grave of many of the diggers who died on that fateful day on the 3rd of December, whose bodies were taken to the old Ballarat cemetery two days later and buried in a pit. Then we have a bit of a light lunch. Bring your own food and drinks. This is all about self catering. We don't cater. This is not an event where you pay money. This is a celebration. And we expect people to do what needs to be done in order for that celebration to be successful. Bring your own food and drinks. Bring your own food. Bring it, drinks at record, at breakfast, lunch, afternoon tea. Then we'll walk at 1pm, we will walk from the old Ballarat Cemetery to the Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka to view the Eureka flag and have a discussion about the importance of the Eureka movement, the importance of the Eureka flag in Australian history. Afternoon tea at Eureka Park, next to the old Eureka Memorial at 3pm and at 7pm to 10pm, We have the Eureka Commemoration Dinner at the Eureka Stockade Hotel at 152 Eureka Street in Ballarat. And the topic for this year's discussion is the relevance of the Eureka Rebellion to the 21st Century Trade Union Movement. And the head of the Ballarat Trades and Labor Council and Western Victorian Trades and Labor Council, Brett, will be uh, giving the talk. Entertainment. will be by the Black Orchid String Band. And food and drinks is provided by the Eureka Stockade Hotel, which I understand is undergoing renovations, and they'll be transforming the room. We normally have the uh, dinner into the uh, Carboni Restaurant, named after Carboni, the uh, one of the leading lights in the Eureka Rebellion, who was one of the captains of the International Brigade at Eureka. So, if you know somebody, you know somebody, whose life reflects the principles that are incorporated in the Eureka Rafe. we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. If you know somebody... Nominate them for Eureka Australia Medal They don't need to be household names These are ordinary people Who've made an extraordinary contribution To the life of this country Through the sacrifices The many sacrifices they've made Over years These are people who are shunned Forgotten These are the Antichrists Yesterday's Antichrists Who become today's saviours This is what this play is about These very people, which we honour at the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which are organised by the Anarchist Mill Institute. So you can join us. As I said before, turn up. Now, if you want to come to the Eureka dinner, you need to book a seat, if you want a seat. If you want to stand up all night, fine. You can stand at the bar and eat standing up. But if you want a seat, seating is limited to about 90. You need to book a seat. You can book. There's no admission charge I said before. It's just, you just pay for your own food and drinks. You can book by ringing 0439 395 489. You can email anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. Or you can write to us at post office box 20 Parkville 3056. So I encourage you to take the day off. It doesn't matter where you're listening to this program in Australia. Take the bloody week off. Take the day off. Come down to Ballarat one time in your life. Come down to Ballarat. Become part of the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations. 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Year in, year out. This is the 13th year. I think we've been celebrating since about 2002, which would make it the 13th or 14th year. So these are options that you have. These are options you can explore. These are things you can do. Don't believe that nothing's ever happening. Things happen continuously. Now getting back to pub- public interest before corporate interests. Now public interest in cor- before corporate interests has two. Two. Ambitions, two mission statements. It is a direct action organisation that uses direct action to promote public interest before corporates and also a political party which hopes to stand federal election candidates in the next federal election. But in order to be a federal political party, we need to get registered. We need f- at least 500 people on the electoral roll who... Join up in order to apply for registration. We don't get the 500 people. We don't apply for registration. We'll leave it too long. I can assure you that sometime early next year, the Australian Labor Party, the Liberal National Party and the Australian Greens will be getting together to pass legislation to increase membership numbers of registered political parties to 2,000 to put a cut-off point in terms of who can and cannot be elected to Parliament. Because these major political parties want to keep it to themselves, want to continue their corporate-friendly agendas, some more corporate-friendly than others. So if you are interested, if you want change, if you don't believe that if you want to use a combination of direct action and direct politic and direct participation in elections... Have a look at public interest before corporate interest. Have a look at the Facebook page. Have a look at the website, PIBCI.net. Have a look at the YouTube site. Tweet at PIBCI underscore AU. Send us a tweet. Follow us. See what's happening. Again, we're trying to use every aspect of the internet in order to get this message across. It's a lot harder than you think it is sometimes because a lot of people nod. And they say, oh, that's a good idea, but when it comes to joining, it's a different matter. Now, you don't have to be in the electoral role to join public interest before corporate interest. You don't have to be a, a resident. You need to live, obviously, in, the, in, the, in this land. You don't have to be a citizen. Join up. Get Get involved in the activities because... At the end of the day, it's important, isn't it? It really is important that we take back the situation, that we ensure that everything, everything, you know, is on the debating table, that we ensure that for the long run, not just for a few years or a few months, but for decades, that we see the emergence of political and social movement that is always willing to put public interests before corporate interests Now A lot of things happening But Nothing's happening We seem in this country to be driven by issues One week it's one issue Next week it's another issue The week after it's another issue There's always issues to catch our attention There's a time we uh, Kind of Cross the T's And Dotted the eyes. Isn't it time that we, you know, looked at who's actually benefiting from all these changes that is occurring? Isn't it time that we looked at the deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation tsunami and have a look at how it's about to smash down on the middle classes? How 80, at least eighty percent of this population the Australian population find themselves in an increasingly difficult situation which is not of their own making, and that's the key. Not of their own making. While the top twenty percent get richer and more powerful, everybody else's fortunes are diminishing. But we seem to be diverted. It can be sport, it can be religion can be the internet television it could be a gamer diversion seems to be the name of the game diversion 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 let's leave the running of the country to the experts and what do the experts do they use they get they get pushed aside punted aside and we see those people control the means of production distribution exchange communication dominating the political agenda dominating the discussion I mean, 40 years ago, there would have been a great commotion if the government of the day attempted to introduce the type of legislation we have today. But today, it just seems to go away. There's an issue. There's another 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 issue. Nobody looks at the wider picture. Nobody looks at the reason why we have so many issues Nobody looks at the reason why poverty, unemployment is increasing. Disillusionment is increasing. Depression is increasing. Anxiety is increasing. Individual pressure is increasing. We kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, there's nothing we can do about that, is there? But there is. Because to a large degree, what happens to individual is reflected via the political and social institutions in a particular country. Because it's political and social decisions which change people, which manipulate people. For example, over the past 40 years, it has been government and opposition policy to push people from the public sector into the private sector. And what has it got us? Nothing. It's made things worse, especially for those... 33% thirty three percent of Australians rely on social security benefits to survive and especially especially for the Australian middle class which is being whittled away, which is watching as the deregulation, privatization, corporatization, globalisation, tsunami sweeps across their suburbs and drowns many and destroys infrastructure everywhere. That's the dilemma. You face it every day and you know, you can listen to me till the cows come home, but nothing's gonna change. Nothing changes by listening to people like myself. We need to bridge that gap between listening and acting. We need feet on the ground and we need them today. Not when you retire. Not when you leave school, but we need them today. Feet on the ground today. That's what that struggle is about. That's what the political struggle is about today, is getting those feet on the ground today. So we can ensure that everybody in this country shares in the Commonwealth. We do live in the Commonwealth of Australia, don't we? The Commonwealth of Australia. That's where we live. But do we have Commonwealth? Of course we don't have Commonwealth. So it's a ongoing issue. Ongoing issue. We need to look at what's happening. For example, we're told constantly, private enterprise is always better than public enterprise. Do you realise that every time a publicly owned facility is privatised, that every taxpayer's dollar which is paid to that privatised facility to provide services to Australians, whether it's uh, in terms of finding them jobs, whether in terms of accommodation, and the list goes on and on, $0.40 in every dollar is used to make a profit for the shareholders of that company, that privately owned company, or to pay pay for that service. Now, it's ludicrous, ludicrous to allow essential services and essential infrastructure to be controlled, to be controlled by the private sector. It's ludicrous because only those with the disposable resources and income get access to those goods and services. And then those who don't have that disposable income well they don't get access that's the reality that's the everyday reality you and I face in this country change is not occurring we have a constitutional deadlock There is no mechanism by which the Australian people, apart from a politically controlled referendum process, can actually change the constitution. There is no process within the Australian constitution which allows us to remove non-performing politicians in between elections. There is nothing in the constitution which protects our hard-won rights and liberties. There is no Bill of Rights in the Australian constitution. There's not even a right to vote in the Australian Constitution, although you can actually cobble together an implied right to vote in the Australian Constitution. Nothing changes. And nothing changes because wealth and power continues to be concentrated in the hands of a minority who will use that wealth and power not to benefit the community as a whole, but to benefit their shareholders and, more importantly, to benefit themselves at the expense of the community as a whole. That's the dilemma we all face. That's the dilemma I face every day. That's the dilemma your children face. Why should human beings have to work every day of their lives in order to access the basic necessities when those basic necessities, especially in this country of twenty five million people living in a continent are there for the taking. Why should there be billionaires and millionaires and people you know having to survive on two hundred and fifty dollars two hundred and sixty dollars a week if' you're on a, if you're on on unemployment benefits why Why should we kind of froth at the mouth and get all excited about philanthropists? Rich people who pay voluntary taxation, who then use the money they save through their voluntary taxation legal rorts to set up their own institutions, their own funds to benefit the deserving poor, to decide where their wealth will be distributed. Who will benefit? The whole purpose of having a state apparatus is to ensure that everybody accesses what they need on the basis of need not wealth of who they are or who they know. So it's a continuing struggle. And I've said before, this struggle will continue. This struggle will continue while we allow those who have usurped the role of Parliament in this country to continue to exercise authority over us. And it doesn't have to be this way. Nothing has to be this way. Things can change. Things can change radically. And we can change them today. Not tomorrow, today. That's the reality. Whether we change them or not is really a personal decision. But if you know what's happening If you're unhappy about what's happening, if you're about the way corporations pay voluntary taxation, if you're concerned about the way all the public institutions have been rifled and destroyed, you do have options. You can sit at home and you know, play another computer game, watch another video, get on the net, watch another porn site, do whatever you like, but don't complain. Don't complain the time for complaining has passed we have now reached a time of action and we need to take that action to force the complainers to the realization that the only way these, these issues will be resolved is by us talking and negotiating directly by those who pull the buttons who have power in this situation Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. I'll answer you next week. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the website org. look at all the uh, wonderful posters take them down send them to your friends send them to your enemies go to the podcast frucr.org.au use the podcast go to the Pipsy YouTube page tweet at Pipsy underscore at Pipsy P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U tweet too. plenty of things you can do whether you do them or not well obviously it's a matter of Personal taste. You may just be happy complaining and carping and carrying on and waiting for somebody to do something about it. Somebody should do something about that. Major tribe. Not as big as the gunner tribe. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But nothing changes the day you die. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but nothing changes the day you die. And then it's too late, isn't it? Too late. Too late. That's the dilemma. Nothing changes. Nothing changes without effort. Nothing changes without your input. And I know we do the same thing week after week. Repetition. Repetition is the cross radical activists carry it's a cross we all carry because the script changes but the storyline doesn't change the characters change but nothing else seems to change we have investigations we have royal commissions we have legislation passed we have investigative committees we have senate inquiries we are told what's wrong We are told that corporate sector pays voluntary taxation. We are told that, you know, four, five, seven visas and uh, student uh, workers are exploited. We are told that interest rates charged by banks are too high. We are told that the unemployment is increasing. We are told constantly that Social Security benefits are decreasing. We are told, 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 we are told. But nothing ever seems to change. And it doesn't change because ultimate power doesn't rest in the hands of the government of the day. It doesn't even rest in the hands of the state. Ultimate power in a capitalist society rests in the hands of that small of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And that 10-15% to 15% of Australians who benefit greatly by ultimate power being exercised by that small group. And if you think, I'm kidding, think again. You're involved in anything, see how hard it is to resolve that issue. How nobody listens. How your ideas Deers and your calls for justice fall on deaf ears. So think about it. Join Pipsy. You don't have to be an active member. We just need the people in the organisation. So there's enough people in order to register as a political party. Obviously, if you are a member of PIPSI, you will be bombarded with material about actions and activities you can become involved in. Because ultimately, ultimately, political power does not lie in the hands of the state or the corporate sector or the government of day. Ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people in a democratic society. And while we pretend to be a democratic society, it's important we make the effort to ensure that ultimate political power continues to rest in the hands of the people. Not what we have today, corporate capitalism, corporate democracy, where governments are too frightened to actually pass legislation to rein in the corporate sector. Too frightened, because they're frightened of what will happen when the means of communications are directed against them. Look at any attempt to modernise society. Look at any attempt To actually extend rights and liberties. Look at any attempt to improve people's situation, whether it's community based or work based, and you will find every, every, every excuse will be given to you by these people about their inability to provide services, their inability, you know, to look after us, their inability to do this and that. That's what happens constantly on a day-to-day basis it is an issue that we need to face personally as i said before you can listen to the anarchist world this week or any other radical radio program till the cows come home and that can be a long long time but while we listen we need to become active We need to talk to other people. We need to join organisations. We need to create organisations. We need to exercise power. We need to call those who exercise power into account. We need to tell them that real power lies in our hands. Don't forget, resist Murdoch's minion campaign. First Friday of October, meet at Federation Square at 11.30, then onwards to 40 City Road. You know, happens month after month. Diminishing numbers. Why should somebody receive an $886 million tax refund legally, legally, while making hundreds of millions of dollars, which is Mr Murdoch and his News Corporation and 21st Century Fox Limited, while other people can't even get a roof over their heads, can't even, you know, send their kids to school? Why should we in the land of milk and honey, the mythical land of milk and honey, actually tolerate this why? because we're not willing to approach it, we're not willing to look at it we're not willing to work at it thank you for listening to this pre-recorded anarchist world this week Listening next week on your local community radio station yes, hopefully I'll be able to announce that Mr Abbott's demise and then Mr uh, Turnbull's demise, that's political demise, so listening to the anarchist world this week and let's see what's happening in the real world on the, in late September. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.